Hello and welcome to the Tabletop Gaming Magazine podcast. I'm Chris Eggett, the editor of the magazine, and today I'm joined by Alan Paul. Hi. Hi Chris, very good to be here. Uh, and we are, um, just for people who people to know, that there, there will be some ambience today because um, we are in um, the dining area of a very nice pub called the Pikeneal uh, <laughs> uh, on, on a lovely sunny day um, to do this interview. But um, we're not really here to give you advice on uh, pubs that we, we, we think are all right. Um, we're, here to <laughs> uh, we're here to talk about uh, Kingmaker. Yes. Uh, particularly. Um, but, um, so for, because you're... Because you're creating a new version. I am creating a new version of Kingmaker for Gibson's Games. Yeah, um, and uh, Kingmaker's been out of print for a little while now. So. Yes, yeah, since 1974. Yes. So, <laughs> yes, it's what you might call an old game. <laughs> it might be a little bit old, yeah. um, So uh, we're going we're gonna to jump into that in, in just a second, but uh, would you mind just introducing yourself? Sure. Uh, my name's Alan Paul. I am a game designer and developer. Um, I own a company called Surprise Dare Games, and we've actually done a Walter's Roses game ourselves, a little one called The Cousins War. Um, but I've been designing games since dot 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 when I was 11 and I'm 64 <laughs> now so you can do the maths. Um, and so uh, in, uh, more recently and over the last 20 years I've been designing and publishing games with Surprise Star Games. And we, 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 we've done some quite well-known games now, Snowdonia, Guilds of mm-hmm. London um, and we now have a, a run of Pocket Campaigns games, yeah. which includes the Cousins War. Which, which I'm very excited about because they are my favourite um, presentation of any game at all, which is um, you're, you sort of, do, sort of do a war game in a small box and yeah. you've got me, basically. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's excellent. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> so, um, shall we start with um, what is Kingmaker? Because it's, yes. it's not a um, German-style economic game where we um, we're getting the constitute parts to make a king. It's not that. <laughs> it's not that at all, no. King make, king make, well, except in the Wars of the Roses, so it's it's 15th century England. Mm. Um, and it's a, a political and military game. Mm. So it's sometimes presented as a war game, and it has got war game elements to it, but it's really a, a political and military board game. Um, and for its time, it was quite innovative. Mm. Um, it, was, it was designed by Andrew McNeil, who unfortunately is, is no longer with us. Um, um, and th- it was designed over a very long period, so it had a very long gestation over th- through the 60s. Um, and it was eventually published in 1974 by Filmar, mm. um, with the original edition, which Andrew McNeil said himself. It was a bit of a disaster in terms of rules and, and, and reception in the UK, but the Americans really loved it, so it had a, a very big following in That's the USA. That's very interesting, because actually, when I was researching this game, so I, I, have to, I have to admit to our listeners now, I, I've not yet played it. It sat on my, uh, di- my, in my games table, um, uh, and it is, uh, which I was learning. Uh, learning the game, sort of trying to hand it uh, yesterday, um, but I've not played with people, and I will be playing it very shortly. So this is um, uh, so you're learning with me, basically. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, but it is. Uh, but I did mostly find um, there's Americans talking about it. Um, yes, it, it's it's one of those weird things. It's like the English Civil War, it, and the Americans call it the first British Civil War. Hmm. Um, and and but they, and they love it. I think they like they like the heraldry, mm. um, I like which, heraldry as well. which is inc- and and one of the spectacular things about Kingmaker is the evoking of that mm. uh, of that period yeah. with with the heraldry, the castles, the names, um, and the action, and the, 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 the famous battle. So you're ending up with you're ending up with Bosworth, um, and and you've got the whole of the controversy with Richard III, which mm. is with Richard III's body being found in the. Leicester car Leicester park. Car park. <laughs> it's all that's all very that's all crystal mill for for for, for, yeah, for Kingmaker, um, and of course the whole thing. The, the reason it's called Kingmaker is it's it's about um, Warwick the Kingmaker, mm. um, Neville Richard Neville, who who was seen as well, not only was seen as but actually was the power behind the throne uh, for a, a long a, a long period of the of the um, of the fifteenth century. Um, but back to the game. Mm. So Kingmaker came out in seventy four. Um, the reason why I think it's important is that it's it was it's been sustained for a very long period of time. So you had an edition in '74. The Americans, Avalon Hill, the famous American mm-hmm. war game publisher, um, took it on, and they produced their first edition in '76, and they had another edition as well in '83. 
It came it came back to the UK in '83, and 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 um, Gibson's produced a version in '83, and then finally another edition came out with TM Games in '86. So even from from '74 to '86, that's 12 years. That's sustaining a lot of of copies over a significant period of time. And since then, um, it hasn't had another version, but a lot of people have played it. It was I I hadn't realised until I started doing the the redevelopment of mm. Kingmaker that it, it's actually been used in the World Board Game, board game Championships for several years Interesting. Um, as one of the things that they have tournaments for mm. um, and I hadn't thought of Kingmaker as a, as a tournament style mm. um, game but they, they had that and they ran that for I think it's between 8 and 10 years mm. in the World Board Game Championships so um, yeah it, it's just a phenomenon really it's um, it's a it's a really interesting game in the sense of as you say, it's quite innovative. I sat I, I sat down there and I, I, I admit that I I sighed as I opened the the rule book and it's got that sort of seventy style, um, very skinny columned text. Um, it's quite dense looking. Um, it's actually not. It's a very simple game yeah. in lots of ways. Um, uh, and you know, and you just have to trust it. I think really is the, the way for modern games if they were to pick up an old fashioned one, they'd they just go with it a little bit uh, yeah, because yeah. it is actually um, a quite interesting thing of um, you build a faction at the start yes, through, that's right. through just yeah. um, random card draw really yeah. um, and then it's all about kind of building up these factions which can make, I'm sure if I was playing this with any um, expertise at all I would spend a long time thinking about who I attach what title to yeah. and all that sort of thing um, actually would you like to sort of give us a, a broad yes. sense of what, what the game is yeah yeah um, yeah, the, the the kind of conceit of the game mm. is that uh, the 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 royalty of the period, people like Richard the Third and Edward the Fourth, didn't have any actual agency. The idea is that you are a, a faction of nobles who are after power and influence, mm. um, and you're you're trying to capture royal pieces in order to control the kingdom eventually. Mm. And in order to control the kingdom, you've got to defeat all the other factions that have got royal pieces and kill them off, mm. um, and then you you can have the last crowned royal piece. Yes. That, so that, that gave yeah. that, that's I say, I, I, idea. I absolutely love that. Yeah. As, when I understood that as the, the victory condition, yeah. which is like, basically there's a, a, a obviously a very naturally line of succession available, very clearly presented to you. Yes. Um, and then you, it's about who owns it. Yeah, that's like, exactly it. And, but not only that, because they are obviously people, you can also uh, just remove them. <laughs> you, know. you, you are allowed to just kill them off, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Which is just... Um, it was like it's like quite a refreshing idea for a victory condition. <laughs> yeah. So so you've got you've got you've got four Yorkists in the line of succession. You've got three Lancastrians. Uh, there's a slight complication because, as we know, eventually mm-hmm. end of the Wars of Roses, Henry Tudor mm-hmm. comes upon the scene and he takes over as Henry VII. So mm-hmm. there is a little mechanism which is a complex bit mm-hmm. where the both the Beaufort family can can, can actually take effectively yeah. take over if the, if the Lancastrians all die out. Yeah. Both it can take over, and, and effectively, that's Henry. That's Henry Tudor yeah. coming. Um, but yeah, it was it was a very innovative game for its time. So you're building your faction. Each each noble is effectively mm. a unit, and he, you have a card for him on, on on in front of you as part of your play area. And on the board, there's a corresponding piece for that particular noble. And that noble can have a title and offices and town control of towns and mercenaries, and and those will all fight together as one mm. unit. And then you can have a whole stack of those as you build up your forces. During the game, you get more cards and you can build them up uh, and have a, have a stronger force. And, of course, you can commit those to action in a very military way, if you like, against other factions. And so there are rules for battles and sieges, as you'd expect. Uh, but, uh, but the heart of the game, what really sets it apart from a traditional hex encounter war game is that it's it's really about the politics it's mm. it's about how, can you manipulate your way to power rather mm. than just fight your way to power if you just fight then people will obviously oppose you mm. and they may ally against you mm. if you if you're looking too strong so part of its part of its ethos part of where it came from was from more from diplomacy which was mm. another of those big political yeah. scheming manipulating games so it came from that almost more than from Hex Encounter games. Yeah. Um, and that, that does set it apart. So it's got that innovation of a combination of politics and military. So our alliances you can do in, in Kingmaker. And in fact, in the new version, we've, we've kind of strengthened that uh, a bit. It, it's also different in, in that the, the, the kind of 
board and um, kind of hex encounter board games that were coming out at that period were all kind of combat results table based. Mm. So it's all about odds in the combat results table. Now, although Kingmaker uses odds, it doesn't have a CRT. Mm. It actually has event cards which you flip up. Yes. And that gives you the, the battle results, which is which is quite which is quite modern. Although, I mean, <laughs> other games are, that were also, that also came out around that time have similar things. Mm. There's a game which I love, which is called Sea Strike, uh-huh. okay. and that also came out at about the same time, and that also uses a pack of cards for com- for all the combo results. Mm. And this is a modern naval game. Yeah. yeah. So all of the combo results come out of a very well, clever pack I, of I cards. I like the, um, the event cards have doing that, which I, 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 I admit is probably not a modern thing then, but uh, it feels modern to me. Yeah. That, um, that an, an event card that does two things depending on when you draw that's it. it. That's and that's it. just, um, and not a, a, modern, a modern card would not, uh, split it diagonally across. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're we're looking at the design of that. So, on when you're when you're having a turn, you, you draw an event card and something yeah. something may happen. Now, they're often described as random events, but it's not. They're not actually random. They're carefully they're mm. carefully designed. So yeah. you might you might gain a free move card, which you're going to use to obviously have a free move on your pieces. Yeah. There might be a storm to sea, which puts all the ships back into port, yeah. or there might be a raid or revolt somewhere, and mm. these are critical. Yeah. Because the raids and revolts will call nobles away, depending on what offices and titles mm. and, and indeed who they are. Yeah. And it, so, if you try to <laughs> traditional war game mm. uh, type of affair, if you try to concentrate your nobles, yeah. you will find that the events will scatter them to the four winds. Yeah. Or at least at the chance they will. So you have to manage that. That I want to concentrate, but also I've got to deal with these revolts. Yeah. I can't. I can't avoid that. Um, and and that is where the, the kind of skill of alliances and, and the politicking. Mm-hmm. comes in so that's one thing so what you, you do an event phase mm-hmm. you then all move all your pieces mm-hmm. and, and you then carry any battles or uh, sieges uh, and moving was also again I feel quite modern. yes the, the, the um, but that was just quite deliberate because uh, mm-hmm. um, Andrew McNeil decided he didn't want to do Hex Encounter stuff mm-hmm. because I mean he, he played Hex Encounter games he mm-hmm. was he was actually a um, a, a war gamer and played Avalon Hill games mm-hmm. but he didn't want to do that at all um, so he introduced this kind of area movement, which nowadays would be seen as, well, this kind of bog standard type yeah, of uh, approach. Yeah. But it's, 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 it's you quite new. Expect, at the time. You would expect it to be basically grid. Yeah. It, when you like, you know, this is a game from 1974, you'd expect it to be grid or hexes, you say. But no, no, they, they, they are different sizes squares. Yes. Well, uh, next to each other based on, well, on the various different things you'd, you'd expect from an area movement game. It's great. Yes. Yeah, um, they're, they're basically there are smaller areas for mountainous areas and, and larger ones where you've got ease of access, like in Hampshire or whatever. Um, and that that was for the time that was quite innovative, um, which is which is really great. And then there's moving along roads, which is as long as you're in control, <laughs> yes. you can zip along wherever yeah. you like. Yes, really, which is key. Yes. Really clever. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, would you like to tell us a bit more about that? How, how does that affect the game? Well, the, the, the road, yes. Control of the roads is really important because the road, you can go conti- and through contiguous areas along a road as far as you can get until you're blocked. Mm-hmm. Now, in the, in, the, in the original game, you're blocked by, well, in the, in the absolute original game, 74, mm-hmm. you're blocked just by enemy locations that are on mm-hmm. the road, fortified locations. In the Avalon Hill version, they changed it slightly and said you're blocked by any place you don't own. Yes, and in fact, in the in the revised version that I've done, I've gone back to that very original one, mm-hmm. because control roads is really, really critical in Kingmaker. It allows you to move large distances, and your opponents can't. Mm-hmm. So the idea is, you can, if you can zip from London to York really quickly, mm-hmm. uh, you can trap people, mm-hmm. and, that, and that's what you're trying to do in Kingmaker. You're trying to know that you can move and concentrate your army when they can't, mm-hmm. um, and then you get a good odds battle against them, and you can you can win that classic battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, which brings me to the battle side. Battles and sieges are really cool. They are quite interesting. Mm. So it does use odds. Yes. So you got, which is which is a bit of a hurdle. I have to say, it's still a bit yeah. of a hurdle because you do have to know how do I calculate three to one odds? You know, and, and, yes. And yeah. You have to add up all your troops and so, <laughs> work it so, out. Yes. Yeah, so what we're talking about here is it's basically expressed as a uh, in the version in the rule book I have. It says it expresses it as a ratio. That's right. Yes. yes. Um, which I was like, oh, God, can I remember? <laughs> can I remember how to do this? Um, can I, I don't know if I'm going to win here or not. 
I thought, that, can we not just do num- numbers being bigger than each other? Uh, <laughs> well, there is there is in the game a lookup table. Yes, you can actually yeah. you can easily look up. Fair. But also, but also, because we all have smartphones now, which we didn't yes. have back then, so you can actually you can use a calculator and work it out. Yeah. And we and in the new version we have a little mm. a little thing you can say use a calculator yeah. and this is what this is what it means. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> a lot of people didn't necessarily. A lot of people nowadays don't like that. Mm. Type of mechanic so much yeah. because they they I think they don't realise quite the subtleties of that mm. approach. Now in the in this game in Kingmaker you've got there's seven potential battle combo results. Mm. You've got um, majority victory mm. five to four three to two two to one uh, three to one four to one yeah that's it that's seven. <laughs> and there, were, so, there were people uh, this is now uh, my age or younger. They'll be thinking, oh no, we're going to get into shilling shortly, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah, it's the kind of thing. So, if, if I know that I've got 200 troops and you've got 100, yeah. that's the simple one. You can say, yeah. oh, I've got two to one. Yeah. So I know that um, as, long as, I, as long as I get a result which is either majority, five to four, three to two, or two to one, mm. that's four, right? Yeah. I know I'm going to win. That's a four in seven chance. So I've got a more than a 50-50 yeah. chance of winning. So that's that's good odds. Yeah. If I've only got if I've only got two hundred and ten troops against your two hundred troops, yeah. then uh, this is the chance of victory. Mm. But but and the, and the clever th- I think the quite clever thing mm. is you might draw a bad weather delays attack card, and that just yes, means yeah. the battle doesn't end. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> which is really sort of British way to do things, which yes, is like called yes. off suit bad weather. Exactly, yeah, leaves yeah. on the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> perfect. Really, so there's a one in seven chance your battle or your siege won't won't work anyway. Yeah. So you've always got a chance, even if you're the yeah. the massive underdog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is this is event cards again, isn't it? This is event cards. Yeah. It's a multi-use event cards. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, so so that's that's I think that's quite innovative. Sieges, sieges. If you, you only need to have. Um, more troops than the opponent yeah. to do a siege, and they will automatically happen, but only if there's not a bad weather. Yes. So, and the the interesting thing about Kingmaker is it's not like a like a, like an Avalon Hill type game where if you lose you lose a proportion of your troops. Mm. If you lose, the enemy captures all your guys, yeah. and they invariably are guys. Well, apart from Margaret of Anjou. Yes, we so say almost all guys. Book in that sense, in sense that um, it's uh, there's a lot of brackets. Her brackets she yes, after yes. things, which yeah. is, I think, quite quite good actually. Yes, it is, it's, uh, it's quite good. Yeah, Margaret of Anjou, oh, she's isn't it? I mean, you read the history, but she's a very interesting mm. character. She's a very strong person. In fact, she's one of the few people who were kind of at the top at, at that period who actually dies in her bed. She mm. she, okay. she she survives the War of the Roses. Yeah. Um, she loses and she goes back to France and 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 she dies in, in poverty. Unfortunately, she didn't actually manage to reap any rewards from her um, from her time in England mm. because she was married to Henry the Sixth, mm. who 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 went mad and had periods of well, we can call it madness. Yeah. Um, there's various theories about what kind of man she was. We won't go into that. Um, and in a way, the madness of Henry the Sixth is gives the the basis for Andrew's decision to make the royal pieces not have any agency because there are periods when he doesn't really do anything. He yes. just sits down, doesn't he? And also he was he was kind of not very interested in affairs of state. So he was seen as a as a very, very weak king in that yes. sense. Um, as opposed to somebody like Richard the Third who <laughs> very, very active uh, king. Um, so We've done battles, so we've done all the, the combat yeah. bits. After that, mm. then there's some very important stages of your turn. One is um, you may be able to call Parliament. Mm. This is another. This is quite innovative as mm. well. Um, if you control the sole king, or if you've got the chance of England and there's no king or more than one king, mm-hmm. you can have up to two: one York, one Yorkist, and one mm. Cash. You, you may be able to call Parliament. Um, and calling Parliament means that you can distribute some of the really powerful cards mm. to your faction or to your allies. Mm. And those are generally titles and offices. So things like the Marshal of England gives you 100 extra troops. Classic, the classic really powerful yes, card yes. in Kingmaker. Yeah. Um, you can distribute those in the original game and, in fact, in the, in the redeveloped version that I've done. If you're, if you're in control of Parliament, you get to decide how those, how those happen. Which is, mm. which is really very, very powerful. So you can exercise royal power. In the Avalon Hill version, and you can still play this version if you want, because there are mm. variants in the, yes, really in the nice. new edition. Yeah. Um, it's, on, it's done on votes in Parliament. Mm-hmm. 
which is uh, I have a bit of a problem with that but mm. some people like the votes in Parliament mm. and, and, and that's, that's fine they, they, mm. they can do it I mean, have included that in the game so Parliament's very exercise about that and finally um, or penultimately what do we do at Parliament we, we, we exchange titles oh. can't we uh, in Parliament you can you can exchange offices that's it sorry sorry, um, sorry not titles and, and your ward mm. Uh, you, you draw a certain number of cards from 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 a chancery, which is basically, <laughs> if nobles die, yeah. um, most of, a lot of their cards go in, back into the crown deck, which is mm. where all those cards that reinforce your nobles come from. Mm. But the titles and offices go into a separate pile called mm. chancery, and it's that specifically so that people can pull them out in Parliament. Yes. And 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 the, the classic the classic thing in Parliament is you only draw a number of cards equal to the number of nobles who attend Parliament yes. and anybody can attend Parliament so if, if you if you want to have if you want to have your own Parliament you can have all your nobles go so you can draw a lot of cards yes. and the other people might not want to go so well, we don't want him to draw 10 cards let's just not go yeah. in which case you might only get three yeah. Um, instead yeah. of so I think that's a really nice mechanic that, that choice it's, it, it's, uh, it's really it's really interesting and also yeah. if you go to Parliament of course you're, although there is King's Peace in, in the Parliament yeah. area but once Parliament's ended yeah. Um, you've only got you've only got a round to get away. Yes, <laughs> which is somebody often the king, the player who's got the king, he can kind of pursue you and try to mm. try to knock you out. Yeah. So there's a lot of really nice little bits of decision making. Yeah. yeah and also, where where do I hold Parliament? If I, if I hold Parliament in a town or a city, which is quite attractive in a way. Uh, there's that other nuance of Kingmaker, which is um, a really tricky one, and that is plague. So every yes, yes. every town Sorry. or city in the game <laughs> every other card. has one has one play card. Um, so if you linger in these places, you mm. may find you suddenly lose your whole army. Now we've toned yes. that down in the in the redeveloped version. I'll yeah. come back to that. We've toned that down a bit because losing your whole stack on a yeah. on a draw of a play, that's part of the part of the old fashioned, the oddities of of mm. of, of, of how Kingmaker was designed originally. Mm. Um, and finally, um, so. Um, we've done Parliament, and then you, if, if you've got if you've got a candidate for king, mm. and there isn't already a, um, yeah. the, the person at the head of that line of succession isn't already a king, you can crown that that king. So mm. if you if you grab Richard of York early, who's yeah. in York, you can crown him as long as you've got an archbishop or two bishops. So there's always conditions here. Yeah. You have to be at a cathedral city, and they're marked yeah. with an archbishop or two bishops hence yeah. the cards for those are very important yeah. then you can crown your own king and that gives you a lot more a lot more power yeah um, and then how do we win? oh yeah well in the in the original <laughs> game you win by having the last the last royal piece found it alive that's it crowned as king yeah. Or, or queen region. So, because that's the thing, you, can, you, can you have multiple kings running about? You can have up to two. You can have the, you can have the head of the house of Lancaster and yeah. the head of the house of that's York right. yeah. as as kings. Yeah. So, but if there are two, then nobody can call Parliament unless somebody has the Chancellor of England. It's, it's so it gets a bit complex when you've but, got two kings or also, no king. But also, it, um, <laughs> uh, it's one of those things where like it represents history quite well, yes. and then. Um, it also is one of those things where by doing that so it sort of satirises history quite well as well. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, um, it's interesting, you know, I was reading, reading an article in a, 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 that Andrew McNeil wrote mm. back in the 1980s, mm. um, and he actually explains how he designed this and, and why he did it. Mm. And one of, the, one of the things that stimulated him to, to, to do this yeah. game was watching Shakespeare's plays. Yeah. So Henry IV and Henry yeah. V and, and those plays, up to Richard III. Um, and he wanted to capture the kind of drama mm. of, those, of those plays. And one of, one of our playtesters actually said, um, when we were playtesting the new version, well, this isn't really a game so much as a, as a, as a narrative, as a story that we're yeah. telling. And that's exactly it. So yeah. what Andrew is trying to do is give you that framework within which you can have that dramatic battle that mm. wins you the kingdom yeah. or loses you the kingdom in much where it happens um, and, and the whole game system is designed to, to do that and deliver that experience mm. so you'll find with Kingmaker people will talk about that that game we had three years ago where there were six of us and three of us had to gang up on one guy in order to stop him from winning yeah, um, yeah. And we had that climactic battle at Barnet, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. <laughs> that was all the time. Yeah, so that's that's basically the game, isn't it? Yes. Um, yeah. Except we've missed out lots of lovely things about it as well. Um, yeah. But, uh, so shall we talk about it? It's kind of niggly 
problems. Yeah, we do because, need to. So, um, Epson Games were very kind to send me one of their, I believe, one of their internal documents explaining why they wanted to recreate Kingmaker. Uh, and um, they, they it, it, it's, it's almost talked about in like hushed tones that there are some problems with this game yes. in some way. And um, I mean, I like odd games, so I. I'm quite fond, even though I've yet to play, I'm quite fond of many of the things that seem strange to me. But um, uh, but tell us what the why people react badly to it or what. what yeah. Right. Yes. Well, one, the, the main, the main, well, one of the main things that people were, were a bit reluctant about was the was the potential length of play. Yes. So we, they're, they're famously of six-hour games or yes. eight-hour games of Kingmaker because. Yeah. Because the end game is basically having the last royal piece, yeah. but if you if you're in a weaker position, mm. you can go on board a ship and run away to Calais, yeah. run away to the Isle of Man, and then unless your opponent has got lots of ships and can send yeah. a fleet after you, you can just sit there and you keep drawing cards each turn and just build up your forces, yeah. and eventually after several hours of play, you might come back and have another crack at the kingdom. Yeah. So that that's kind of either either stalemate or perceived stalemate yeah. is, um, is is a difficulty with a with a, a, a modern a modern style game um, the other thing is some people just can have a bad game you got a, if you've got a six player game or, or even a, a four to six player game one of the first things you want to do as a player is grab a royal piece now one of the yeah. royal pieces happens to be in Coventry yeah so okay I'm gonna I, to besiege Coventry if I haven't got the card that gives me control of Coventry, I need to besiege it. I need 200 troops. So I gather all my guys together, I gather my three or four starting nobles together. I've got 200 troops. I go and besiege Coventry. I enter Coventry to capture Edward, Prince of Wales. Mm. And the next card is Plague in Coventry. Yeah, and everybody dies. Yeah. And you think, oh, well, I've just been wiped out. Yeah. And that's, as a player as a player experience, especially for your first game of Kingmaker, and I have seen this happen, yeah. it's a tad discouraging yes. <laughs> And the other thing that can happen, which I've seen also seen when we were doing early playtests, um, somebody gets, say, the Marshal of England. Mm. Now, the Marshal of England is very powerful, mm. but the trouble is, he can be called away by events. It's 10 or 11 call, and mm. usually I think it's 11, I've reduced it to 10. So, you then find that you're trying to do things, and every time you try to do something, he gets called away to Bodmin, yeah. or he gets called to Thanet or yeah. somewhere, and your whole plan just falls apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, that is very dispiriting for yes. a for a, for a new player and it's not that encouraging for a one of us older players either to be honest <laughs> so that's that's a um, a problem the other difficulty is what i've termed a kind of robustness of the rules if you like mm. <laughs> so they are in places they are kind of open to interpretation mm. and i mean back in the day in the 70s mm. i think War gamers were used to this, particularly miniature war gamers were very yes. used to the idea that you had to interpret what the person mm. who wrote the rules actually meant. Mm. Uh, and so you're trying to think, what was the intent of the designer here? Hmm, it was probably that. And if you can agree that with the other mm. players, that's fine. But if you've got a four or five or six player game and somebody's got an interest in this particular interpretation, it can, it can cause yes. a difficulty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the board didn't help, actually, because the original board, it looked really nice really mm. really colorful and thematic um, but the problem is with area movement you have to be really clear where the areas actually yes. are yes. and particularly where the joins are because in Kingmaker you can do, do diagonal movement mm. if it's not absolutely clear yeah. is that a diagonal or is that little bit of white yes. on the border edge is that actually you know not supposed to be there so that's 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 a difficulty there's also a lot of luck um, there's also quite a lot of luck in the game, mm. so you may just you may draw a really good hand at the start of the game, mm -hmm. which gives you a lot of power, or you may just have. Yeah, so kind of I'll just, I'll just say now. So in learning this game was two handed, um, yeah. and you still draw thirty six cards. Uh, yes, yeah, so you uh, get an eighteen cards to start. Yeah, so I had little, these two ginormous <laughs> forces in front. Yes, yes, yes. I maybe should have three handed it to make it seem more manageable, but yeah. whichever one I was going to consider myself. Yeah. Um, uh, but it, it, even then. The forces were very uneven. One of yes. them was clearly going to be dominant. Yes. Uh, is, is that something that people felt was strange? Or yes, um, the the rules the rules are are a bit mealy mouthed about that. The original rules, yeah. because it, it, the rules do actually say, well, yes, you might have you might start with a weak hand, but you sh you know, but you should wait and draw more cards, and eventually it'll. 
yeah. it'll be okay. And now I'm, I don't buy that really. If you've got a weak hand to start with, you can be in a situation where you just can't get into the game. And I've, mm. I have seen that happen quite a lot. So you, you can easily get a situation where one or two players just have got not much that they can actually do. For, for example, if you if you if you can't get your army up to 200 troops mm. then you're not likely to be able to get a, a royal peace very easily in which case you, you could find yourself in the mid game basically you're sitting around doing nothing or you're having to ally yeah. with somebody else it's kind of enforced so that that's um that's a particular um uh, particular problem mm. um the other so that's the robustness of rules the, the other thing that is <laughs> indicative because it came out in 1974 is the quality of the components Yes. Uh, which you probably noticed on your on your. Yeah, so it's um. It's so I, I, I'm a big fan of um, sort of indie RPGs yeah. and sort yeah. of um, mm. what what is I think termed now termed as, but maybe it was more common years ago is as the magazine game. Yes. So yes. You get sent to me out, you cut bits up, you put them in sleeves. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. absolutely fine. I'm absolutely mm. fine with that. Usually these days they have sort of like a punk aesthetic, you know. <laughs> they're kind of like, yeah, it's kind of grimy. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Um, you know, like only three hundred of these were ever printed. Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, but I think this is more standard what I had here, which is like, I'm pretty sure someone yeah, cut these out by hand. I'm pretty sure, you know, they all felt well, like it. Yes. Yeah. If you look at the cards, the original Kingmaker, there's obviously no template. There's no actual <laughs> graphic design template because they're all slightly different. L um, the, the corners aren't quite right, and yeah. some of the text isn't in quite the right place. Borders, so. There's like borders and things sometimes, and sometimes not. Yes, it's yes, it's all of it. Yes. And it's, it's fine. For its time, that was actually not too bad production quality. <laughs> you look at some, uh, some other games. And of course, it's got relatively. Uh, it's got die cut counters. It's a whole mm. counter, there was a mm. whole sheet of die cut counters. Mm. Um, but they're quite thin because mm. I think I think they were quite expensive. In, yes, they, uh, they in that actually, time, um, they are. They, they were quite nice. I thought. Yes, they're quite nice, but they're compared to some of the other things. Yeah. One example of the component problem is that there's only one set of noble characters. Mm. Now I understand they're all walking a white background. I yeah. understand that because it means that you're never in a situation where somebody, it, you're never in a situation where somebody can have the same noble. Mm. on board at the same time yes. um, but the trouble is it means if there's a stack of nobles on the board you can't actually tell who owns them yes. which is a bit of a problem yep. um, so in the new version it, every player has a set mm -hmm. of noble counters with I a different colour background so at least that, I mean that's I think the physical representation of that, that solves a whole a whole raft of, of issues which mm. which people have um, and which nowadays we can we can afford to do that and they are you know they're going to be the same style of counter. Yeah. They're going to be a little a counter with a shield on it, so you can yeah. see who it is. But with the with yeah. the background in your own set, that makes it. Yeah, I thought. You know, I thought you were going to say there that um, one of the problems is that there's so many bloody lions on heraldry. <laughs> <laughs> there are still a lot of lions. You, you can't avoid the you, you can't avoid the lions. I'm afraid. You know. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a thing that I was staring at these tiny, tiny things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is that yellow or has that fate? Is that white? Or is it yellow and it's faded? Yes, you know? yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think there's going to be any way around that. But, but there are at least at least there are cards showing you. Yes, yeah, this yeah. this is Fitzalan, who's got this iron on his shield, uh, uh, but he hasn't got the the yellow bit around it. If it's the yellow bit around the the lion, that's Talbot. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, um, that's no, a particular particular thing. Well, also, I mean, uh, as you as you can't see. Because this is a podcast, I have here some <laughs> copies of the game. It has this yes. very wide, shallow box. Mm. They're, they're like the old Monopoly boxes mm -hmm. used to come in, uh, and like diplomacy used to come. In. I think, it's, mm. it, like I said, it comes from that kind of diplomacy thing. It wasn't so like an Avalon Hill style, what they what they called bookcase box. Yeah. Um, although there is an Avalon Hill version, and mm. that has got bookcase box. Yeah. So the original ones in these, these wide boxes. Now the new one will have a, a, a more square box. Yeah. So, so it will be a, a chunky, I suppose you could call it a kind of medium-heavy Euro-style box, yes, if that yes. makes any form of sense. Or, 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 a, or a kind of, a, yeah, big, big war game box. I think, I, like, I, um, this is one of the sort of sad things about um, my, my place in the industry, of um, like basically having so many boxes come across my desk. Um, is I'm at a point now where I'm like, oh, no, they've all moved to that um, Brian Borrow-style <laughs> box, uh, with the pizza-sized size box. Yeah. Um, which I assume this might go into one maybe that size, maybe it, bigger. It's yeah, it's a it's a it's a big it's a quite a big squarish box. 
Um, yeah, but it's not it's not the new descent style box, which is like actually like this. No, it's it, no, no, no. It won't be that. It won't be that big. No, it, it's it, it's about the same size as Colosseum. That's a bit of an old game as well. But um, yeah, um, three hundred three squadron. Bring it up. It's like the same size as three hundred three squadron. No, if anyone's got that, it's like a big game. I've not had that one on my desk actually. Um, Yes. So, um, so, what else have you updated? What, right. Where, yeah. where, where are you? Um, you kindly, <laughs> generously bringing the game uh, into people's hands again? Yeah. Uh, right. Well, I, I see myself as a developer. I'm not mm. the designer, so I'm trying to adhere cl- closely to what Andrew McNeil wanted to do, but just make the smooth out the rough edges, um, bring it up bring it a bit more up to date but I did not want to radically redesign because otherwise I'm designing a different game and I want this mm. to be this has to be Kingmaker mm. so the redeveloped version which we're calling Kingmaker 2 as is mm. as, as, as Ooh, in going, the going. second Gibson's version yeah. Kingmaker 2 so this this um, new version well it'll have several it'll have several different versions within, within this edition so be the, say, is it definitely Kingmaker 2 and not Kingmaker the second I think it's I think it's Kingmaker two as far as I know, but let that it's subject to change. I would yeah, say. No, yeah, that's so, a good yeah. joke, isn't it? It uh, is. I, I, I must admit, I didn't think. I, I just look quite like Kingmaker the fourth actually, <laughs> because there being four. Yes. But probably Kingmaker two. Um, so we've got we're going to have my 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 version of the, I had the re, what I call the redeveloped version, the rev, revised Kingmaker, mm. um, and this one has got several different, um, different bits and pieces. We're going to in a second. Then it'll also have. What, what what we've termed classic Kingmaker, mm. and that that is equivalent to the original um, Gibson's Avalon Hill mm-hmm. Kingmaker. So you can still play the game you used to play and knew and loved. Mm. Um, and there'll also be an extended classic, which has mm. got lots of advanced what they used to call the advanced rules, mm. things like voting in Parliament. Uh, there's yes. an optional battle system which involves dice. Which yeah. Dice in Kingmaker is wrong. Anyway, um, you can I, still I, I only skimmed the advanced rules, I must say, mm. and there was things like um, uh, like a battlefield setup yes, guide. Yes, that's right. Um, which is reminiscent of um, the only game I've, I've played a block war game. Oh called, yeah. Um, uh, war without enemy. This war without enemy, right? Which is a civil war game. Yes. Um, which had a separate battlefield. That's right. And I thought that, I thought that's quite good, but it was yeah. very much a. Um, a not like this at all. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a, a Columbia, another Columbia block game. There's a Waterloo one that has that as well, separate yeah. battle thing. I, I thought it was okay, yeah. but uh, it was very much like you need a board for this. I, I think yeah. I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. Gonna have to set up well, there is <laughs> there, there is a separate battle board that yeah. you can use if you want to play yeah. in the revised version. Uh, in the revised in the in the uh, in the extended version. classic variant. <laughs> you you can mix and match these things. So you you could you could theoretically play. The battle board, the separate battle system with mm. revised, um, that that would be that would work. That would yeah. be fine because I know some people prefer to do that and roll dice yeah. rather than flip up an event card. Uh, it lengthens the game a bit because you're yeah. taking some people, like that. some people like that, yeah. which is fine. Yeah. Um, and then there's a the whole lot of variants because <laughs> one of the interesting things about Kingmaker was that Avalon Hill, who I said produced it in the late seventies, um, and another edition as well, um, they produced a whole bunch of new cards for mm. it as they used to do and there's a whole range of articles in the general magazine mm. which was their house magazine for all of Alan Hill Games Company mm. games um, so that's about half a dozen articles looking in depth that well they do in depth articles on how you work out the odds of somebody actually dying in a battle and those kinds mm. of things which were addressed by, by these articles and, what, um, and two or three of them have got suggestions for mm. New new cards as you expect, and you can exp- so you can expand expand the event deck, you can expand the crown deck, and what we've done here we've taken we've taken the ones which I think work best, um, written proper rules for them because mm. the rules are often quite sketchy for these yes. variant cards. Yeah. Written proper rules for them, so you can actually include those as a block mm. in your um, in your classic or your extended classic yeah. game. So after a brief pause there to uh, win an award. Uh, <laughs> oh yes, we won an award. Um, <laughs> Stephen Conway's The Spiel of Approval Award is Lux Eternal, which is a surprise to games game. So yeah. a game by Tony Bordell. Very good. 
<laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's the kind of interruption we like here at the, at the podcast. Which is <laughs> um, so sorry, we were midway through the revised edition. Yes, um, the there are some changes from the old, um, the old and beloved edition, which we made in the interest of making the game shorter and yes. more smoothly flowing. That's the main. That's the main thing. Um, and the the main change the main changes are we have an, an alternative victory condition, so you don't have to mm-hmm. win just by getting the last crowned king, although you still mm-hmm. can. Um, there's something called prestige victory. Now, uh, this is actually a development of of the um, of the parliamentary victory type of thing you could mm-hmm. get in the adva- with advanced parliament in the Avalon Hill game. Mm-hmm. Uh, this <laughs> the um, the parliament, the, the parliament system was designed by Charles Vasey, who's a famous mm. British designer, um, on various games, um, and he designed this, this this parliament thing where you you have votes in parliament depending on what nobles you control and what offices and titles and towns and things, mm. and you can have votes in in parliament. And one of the alternative victory conditions there was you can actually vote in parliament for who's going to be the king and win. Mm. Now, that struck me as being quite unrealistic. It's not it's not what happened in the 15th century no. at all. Parliament didn't have that kind of power. It's, re- it's not really until, well, the 18th century, the earliest, where mm. that is even remotely possible. Um, well, maybe the late 17th, that's not bad. Um, <laughs> so, um, prestige victory basically says if you, um, if you control a lot of offices, you get one prestige for each office. Mm. If you control a royal piece, if you've got the sole king, you get four prestige points. Mm. If you've got one of two kings, you get three. If you've got any other royal piece, you get two. And only your best royal piece counts. Mm. If, you, if you've got archbishops, they're going to give you prestige. Mm. So basically, through this re- easy mechanism of counting up the amount of prestige points you have, mm. then depending on the number of players in the game, there will be a target. Mm-hmm. And if you reach that target, you can claim the, pres- the prestige victory card. Mm. So, for example... Um, I can't remember the exact figures. If it's a four-player game, I think if you've got ten prestige points mm. as a single faction, you can claim that prestige mm-hmm. victory tile. But then you have to keep you have to keep those points mm. for a whole round. Yes, so it gives so, yeah. so I the, love the so option of massive fan yeah. of mechanics like this. Yeah. Uh, the, the it's a more modern mechanic. Yeah, um, Innis, I think. Does that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Am I saying? I'm probably not saying that right. Uh, it might be Inish. I don't know. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, that has a thing of like you 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 claim the title yes. and then you have to hold, hold on for a whole round, which is uh, might as well be an age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, so we introduced that, and, and you can easily see what prestige people have got because the prestige there'll be an icon for a prestige. Hmm. My my icon is terrible. I, I don't do artwork, but my little icon is currently a kind of purple scroll thingy. Hmm. It's probably best skipped over, but there will be a proper <laughs> item for the prestige. You can look at your opponent's array yeah. of cards and yeah. easily see, aha, that person's got you know enough prestige maybe to claim victory. So we better better gang up on him quick, otherwise, yeah. You know. um, and you can also yeah. claim you can also claim prestige victory as an alliance as well. Interesting. Um, now there are various ramifications for this. Yeah. Just a bit of an aside, that just. To, the nuance is quite important. Firstly, you don't want people to be able to claim a prestige victory just by having a random, really, really good draw. Mm. So you can only claim prestige victory after after a certain amount of event cards have been drawn. And uh-huh. That's where the prestige victory tile sits. Yeah. So a little bit of setup to yeah. put that in play, and that I, th- I think that's quite justifiable in in in, in terms of the theme yeah. because. People were looking, you know, hedging their bets a bit and seeing how things were going to pan out in terms of the raising of armies or, or, or infants in the country. And that is reflected there. Mm. Also, you can't ally mm. with anybody until um, a head of either of the houses has been claimed. Again, because people, they tended to wait, you know. Mm. We don't know yet who, which faction or which group of nobles controls Henry VI. Or which or which faction controls Richard York, mm-hmm. and so you have to wait for that. And then once you can start to see how things pan out, mm. then all bets are off, and you can start start allying. So that's that's the first difference. So you can win a prestige victory when there are two kings, or or when there's other royal pieces mm. kind of lying around. It also means that you can claim a royal, can claim a prestige victory when someone is run away to Calais. Okay. Yeah. So they can't just run away to the continent and and, and stay there. Yeah. So in in a sense. What that really means in terms of history is that it's like 
Edward the Fourth, who who took over um, a couple of times, and there was quite a long period of peace once he'd taken over. Mm. And in in some senses, you could say, well, he won that round of the war, yeah. so we'll stop there, and then yeah, well, another game for the later bit. Yeah. So that that's the kind of thing we, we're getting there. So the other thing we've done, which is quite um, uh, rad- radical, uh, is we've introduced regional movement. Yeah, we have a completely different um, layout of the of the areas. Mm. Um, so instead of counting five areas, you just move one region. Mm. Um, you cross a regional boundary, move one region, and you can end up in that in that adjacent region anywhere mm. you like in that region. Mm. Now, this I, I was I was pleasantly surprised actually. I think that in all our playtesting, we've we've had oh uh, between fifteen and hundred people who. Playtested wow, okay. the game, so it's been had a lot of playtesting. We, I think we had one person who really didn't like the region. Okay. Overwhelming majority of our playtesters really loved the region. Mm. The trouble with the five area, counting the five areas, which I admit, uh, Andrew McNeil really liked that. Mm. It, was a, it was getting away from hex grids and having to work out if there's terrain, is it an extra mm. movement point? to go into that mountainous area. Yeah. Getting away from that was good. Yeah. But the trouble with the five areas is you, it's very difficult to see where that particular noble you've got up in York, where can he actually get to? Yeah. Um, yeah. So with regional movement, you can see readily, yeah. oh yeah, we know he can go to over there because that's the yeah. region. And you can go anywhere in that region. Um, yeah. And that, that's that's what we were trying to do, make it make that a lot a lot simpler, more straightforward. And, and people have, have overwhelmingly mm. welcomed that. Now, I was... When I was designing that bit, I was quite um, cautious because I wanted to make sure, yeah, but that seems quite different from County Five areas. So are the, what about the distances? Are the distances between mm. places more or less the same? And it turns out with careful design of the areas, mm. they do reflect pretty much with a couple of not desperately important exceptions. Mm. They reflect pretty much the yeah. same yeah. number of turns that you have to do for moving. So, so regional movement is, a, is, a, is a, a, a useful one. And there's also less chance. I wanted, to, I wanted to make it so that if you do take Coventry with all your guys in the first round and you get plague, you don't all die. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so if you get plague like that, you lose your best medal. I mean, that's still going to be pretty bad, yeah. but it's not going to literally yeah. wipe the whole lot of guys yeah. out. And similarly, you can, you can have that situation in a battle because the way the battles work, you flip up a card, hmm. or a siege for that matter, and the card lists in the killed list mm-hmm. who dies regardless of the result of the battle. Yeah. And the trouble is, if there's there are three or four of those, you could find so you could find that all of the guys listed are just happened to be yours. Yeah. In which case you could lose a significant portion of your army, even if you won the battle. Yeah. And so again, you only lose your best one of yes, those that makes sense. Yeah. So less there's less chance. Um, so those are, those are really the, the main changes. There are some other changes. We, we made it so that they're a bit more, be a bit more esoteric. If you take a town or a city, mm. you don't have to go in. You don't have to stay in that town or city. Mm. You can come out. Yeah. If you want to you capture the royal piece that's in there, you do have to put a noble in there. Yeah. Because otherwise you can't get it. Yeah. But that's the only time you have to risk plague. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, there is that, that problem of... of um, Taking very very major risks with plague, and we didn't we didn't want plague to be a, a really principal determining factor of who of who wins. It has to be player action. Yeah, that do. yeah. I think I think it's uh, for the best. Yeah, yeah. So I those, think we'll, we've all had enough, enough plague. We, we had enough, we've definitely had enough plague. Yeah. Absolutely, no ways, for <laughs> sure, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the, those are the main those are the main excellent um, changes, uh, and it's obviously yeah. going to be um, prettier. In it, some way, it, it, with this all readable. new artwork, all new artwork, which yeah. is great. And yeah. uh, there is a there is a kind of draft box. So I haven't got it. I haven't got mm. it here. Which looks really nice. Yeah, very good. Very good. It's very because it's. I think uh, we spoke about root earlier. Yeah. Um, and there is like I think there's a, a particular taste for this kind of game yes. out there um, with with its sort of like with its eccentricities. Mm. Um, because uh, all, all your revisions there aren't things like I've taken out all the weird bits. It's actually something yeah. something very straightforward now. It's that in there much more. Um, uh, it's refinements, you know. It's, it's refinements. It's, what are, my my objective was to retain the essence of Kingmaker. Yeah. Now, obviously, defining what the essence of Kingmaker is is quite difficult. But but I've I've read quite a lot of the articles that that um, 
Andrew McNeil wrote, and mm. I, I, I was lucky in that um, he was still alive when I was starting this out, so I was able to exchange emails with him. And so we, I, he's, he was quite happy with the kind of approach that I, I was taking. Mm. Um, and so I, I, I believe I've kept that spirit of what, what Andrew wanted. So I haven't designed a completely new game, but it's, I think it's much more playable. It's still got all those interesting stories that you can tell about it. And that's, that's the... And so what, uh, you mentioned that it's quicker to play now as well. Yes. What, is, what, is the oh, new run, what is the new runtime? Well, <laughs> okay, I need to explain another thing. Oh, <laughs> one other thing we've done. Um, I, because of the random random draw of cards mm. at the start, yeah. what, what you can do if you want is you can start with preset factions. Yeah, okay. So I've, I've said, right, for two, three, four, or five players, yeah. and I made it two to five rather than six and seven for the, for the, for the revised version. That you can start with preset factions, which means that you've got um, roughly even spread. It's not completely even, but it's roughly even spread, and that that means it's quicker to set up, um, and also it means that you've got a, a more. How can you can judge the runtime a bit, obviously? Now I'm reckoning on about forty-five minutes plus half an hour per player. Right. Okay. So you've yes. got very normal, <laughs> very yeah, three hours not, or so for a full not, ex- not destroying your entire weekend no, for, no. <laughs> for a bad draw. In contrast, a play-tested classic, two-player classic the other day with a friend of mine. We spent we spent five hours and we didn't quite finish. We probably would have finished. We were doing it in an evening, and yeah. after five hours, I was thinking, you know. I really need to go to bed, actually. <laughs> it probably would take us another half to three quarters of an hour to finish. Yeah. Um, but, but it was one of those games you get sometimes in yeah. Kingmaker, with, even with two player. I actually had the upper hand, I like to think. I had the biggest army, and he, he was taking refuge overseas. <laughs> and I'm thinking, yeah. Well, he can, make, he, can, he can run away to the Isle of Man, or perhaps he can run away to Bomaris in Anglesey, and I've got this massive fleet, so I can, I can get my. I, can, I have to give somebody the Admiral, and then I'll have to get my yeah. fleet together, and then I'll have to go out there and. <sighs> you know, yeah. but the turns can be really quick. It's yeah. just I'm not going to do anything. I'll take a card. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's it's not quite what we we really want. I think in yeah. in, a, in a new version of the game, that's some it. people will like that, and actually, yeah. sp- there is some uh, skill in spotting that that is you can still win in a situation where it looks like a stalemate, but it takes quite a while. Uh, there was recently a, a, a reissue of um, with. A new faster version of Britannia. Oh right, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Um, uh, and that's that was very much the same approach yeah. of like we've now got a two-player mode that you yes. can play in it's, two hours. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. Just a quick sidestep because I, yeah, I know Lucifer because um, mm. he married the best friend of my wife, okay. as it happens. <laughs> of course. So he is the guy <laughs> who actually convinced me that I can actually design and publish games. Oh, way, really? way back. He, he, uh, he's American, mm. but he came over, he's doing a, he was doing a, PhD, a PhD in the University of London, and mm. I was at the University of London at the time, um, doing my um, water studies MA, and uh, he had published games before. He, I think um, one of the early games of Games Workshop, he did one of those. The, he did um, Valley of the Four Winds. Oh, okay. that? No, you probably don't. Know. No, I don't know. No, no, no. it's one of those it's I know the name of. A really old, old, old style game. Yeah. Really, really good tactical game. Um, but I mean, I hadn't quite cottoned on to how to go about mm. getting my game, pitching my games to companies, mm. um, and getting published. And he he encouraged me to do that. And I learned a lot from him. That's very good. That's very good. Um, so actually, let's let's do that because I, I do have I do have a. Um, Kind of a, a semi-running feature that I've been working on for right. a few yeah. few years, which is which is the question of um, uh, what advice do you give game designers? Well, right. you, 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 mm. you, there's a young person right now who yeah. wants to design a game. Um, they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, what advice would you give them? The main advice I give to people who are starting out is is make games, finish games, yeah. actually get get do it, make make your prototypes, actually get something physical, yeah. and and finish it to your satisfaction. So, so, and and the way you get experience of this is by doing that. Mm. Um, so, and by by games, it's if you've just got an idea, that's not a game. Yeah. Well, everybody has loads of ideas. Yeah. I mean, well, well, most of us have got notebooks full of, mm. of ideas. Um, sensible sensible people have probably got a database of ideas. Yes. <laughs> but most of us have got I've got loads. I've got a whole yeah. pile of notebooks on my desk which has got ideas. Yeah. So those are not those are not what you need. You need to actually 
concretize that if you like you need to actually make make components even if they're really rough a, a scribble on a piece of paper um, and some some scrappy cards which you can move around pieces you can move around yeah. and then play test your prototype with other people yeah. and, and have have a game which works and which does what you want it to do that's the most important thing I would say don't that. worry too much about getting published and certainly don't worry about getting published early in early in your yeah. early in your career I know of, I, I do know of a designer whose first game first ever game um, sold tens and tens of thousands of copies mm. that is incredibly rare yeah. really 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 rare yeah. and, and, and the, the trouble is you do that uh, are you ever going to get that lucky break again is, is a big question uh, I really like your piece of advice there as, as someone who is um, as part of this article I'm working on um, is designing games so to design games so I I can do sort of my own journey through it as well um, that thing of um, there is a, a profound disappointment of um, having got like you've sort of 90% on the game or something you've got you've got some like, half assed components together and stuff like that and you're like okay I'm going to playtest it and you playtest it and it's just rubbish yes. and yes, there's happens. something really heartbreaking about that because <laughs> the thing is the idea is still good it's just not what you've made exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. just about the making it's, I, I, I encapsulate it as just make games yes. is what you need to do yes. I mean I, I, well, I've been I have, I have definitely been through that you, you've got um well, I, I, hey, oh, here's a good here's a, here's a good example of, of, of that actually, because um, I I, des- I I was one of the people who were designing Airfix Battles, mm. which is a Modiphius game, yeah. an introductory, introductory war game, and <laughs> when we produced a first kind of really rough cut of that, it was, it was actually based on a, an idea they had earlier. We did a rough cut of this tactical World War II game mm. um, involving Galeafic soldiers eventually um, and I took that to a war game conference and played it with people and they absolutely hated it it was, <laughs> it was terrible there were bits and pieces that weren't properly defined mm. uh, we didn't have proper scenarios yeah. um, some of the mechanics were not fleshed out enough mm. really and it was a disaster mm. but I, I came away <laughs> from that and after I got over my despondency, I thought, well, actually, I think there's actually the germ of a really good mm. idea in this. Yeah. And so we spent a long time getting those details down, hammering down the details, getting scenarios written, defining all the troop types and working out the rules in a, in a, in a really good, careful way and playtesting it a lot. I took it back the following year mm. and they absolutely loved it. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, and they, they, uh, several of them eventually bought copies as well. So. Yeah, I think that, um, that's, that, that's what you've got to uh, do. I mean, that sounds, that sounds, I wish I'd done that with my crap game that I made. <laughs> I, I wish I'd done it with a stranger rather than a friend. Because <laughs> seeing a friend look really disappointed in <laughs> <to> you <laughs> differently. Well, yes, you need, I think for playtesting, you need to have people you can trust. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and, oh no, no, um, it's kind of totally honest. Yeah. Uh. Oh, honesty is useful. Yeah, frank, frank honesty can be a bit yeah. hard. To, I mean, I, I, another little story on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a game I designed ages ago called City of Sorcerers, mm. um, designed back in the eighties. It was a very old style, mm. old style game. I mean, I liked it. A lot of people liked it. It was got a lot of play. In fact, there was bizarrely there was a little. There's a little group of players in Munich who played it and uh, they were yeah, like yeah. the greatest so is, fans of the game. Yeah, this, this is it's where really you, you find, I sometimes get emails from like, uh, we're the society of insert obscure game yeah, yes, came, yeah. came out once in the 90s. Yes, yes. Uh, we, we, we're doing our yearly tournament of um, 5,000 people somehow in Berlin. Um, <laughs> uh, we all love it here. Uh, no, one, no one will talk to us <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> yeah, so I did this game and, and it was back in the 80s and, and, and somebody suggested, well, why don't you update it? And bring it, make it, a, you know, yeah. a Euro game because it's it's yeah. it's a it's a magic based mm. game with a, with a kind of big magical duel type of thing. At the end. Yeah, and so I, I so I did this and, and um, I, I I did the whole thing, just new components, whole new mechanics, making it very Euroy feel type mm. of thing. I, and I and, and I took it to what we we have some game designer days which we we, we do we were, before lockdowns and things mm. before the COVID. We used to do these mm. two or three times a year. We have a whole day where mm. we'd get. A dozen or so designers, and we'd all play each other's games and mm-hmm. critique them, which is really helpful. Um, so I took it to this, and to their credit, they played the whole thing. It was about two and a half hours. Mm. Played the whole thing, and then they spent the next hour and a half tearing it to shreds. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and, I, and I and I thought, yeah, they're right. Really, it's it's really it's really not 
not working at all this yeah. game and even though it, it works mechanically yeah of course but it's not fun you know? yeah yeah and there's, there's, there's too much random stuff in it it's, there's, there was various take that elements which weren't really appropriate for that style of game yeah and so I ditched that yeah. so you know, there are time, there are times when you, you, you have to just just trash it. Yes. Do something better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving on from, yes. uh, well, in fact, uh, let's talk about better things. Yeah. Um, but we're going to say, um, what's next for you? Well, we need to talk about actually how to get hold of Kingmaker. Oh, we probably should, shouldn't we? All oh, right then. Go on then. Yeah. Go on then. Because because um, it, it's not cause Gibsons aren't just going to publish it, are they? They're going to do something quite interesting. I think. Well, they get, they get, they're intended to kickstart it. Yeah, which I don't think good. I think it's unusual for, uh, for Gibson. It's very unusual. I don't think Gibson's have ever done a Kickstarter, but yeah. they have got they have got a really good Kickstarter manager. Mm-hmm. He, he was one of my um, rules review development yeah. team, yeah. And who happens to be top class in his field, you know, for, the, for that. So, so they're in safe hands there. Um, so the Kickstarter is aimed at the autumn of 2022, so later this year. Uh, and copies should be available early in 2023. Um, So that's something to look forward to. And that gives everybody a chance to get involved in in, in the Kickstarter campaign, yep. knowing what's going on. There will be, as I said before, there's going to be these different versions. So you'll have the, the, the um, Kingmaker 2, the revised version, classic, extended classic variants. Mm. And if we're lucky, we're doing a solo challenge as well. Oh, that's a stretch goal. That's a stretch goal. Ah, I see. Now, this is what people. Or at least want. it's probably a stretch goal. I don't know whether it's going to be. Uh, we haven't really determined what the Kickstarter yeah. will be, but it's yeah. looking likely to be a stretch goal. Yeah. Now, the thing is, when we. when when one of my friends who was in my rules review team suggested, let's do, I think I can do a solo version of this, and I thought, really, Kingmaker? It's yeah. all politics and stuff. Right? Hey, I knew this one last night, so we <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you can play solo. Oh, yes. Oh, haven't we all done that? Play yeah. solo, you can play a seven-player Kingmaker, and you just play all seven hands, which is fine. But this is a proper solo challenge, so you know, with, with a bot. That yes, you, yeah. You're fighting against. Yeah. Um, and it, it, I've played six to eight games of mm. that, it's... It's really good. Yeah. It's really good. It is obviously it's to an extent it's mechanistic in that yeah, you're you're doing it as a war game. Yeah. Um, but it, it really does. It does, it's very strong. Because yeah. uh, what 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 he has done is he has ve- basically he's a very very good kingmaker mm. player and he's basically modelled mm. how he normally plays the game yeah. in the box. Yeah. So um, yeah, it works really well. So the solo challenges, which I think would be quite important for, for Kickstarter. Yes, I, think, I mean there is um, the very very good <coughs> indications that um, you will you double your Kickstarter numbers <laughs> yes, with the solo. solo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. that's one thing we found. We, 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 that's why a lot of our games are going to have solo mode in as well. Um, it will be made in Europe. Oh, so, interesting. Um, which is interesting as well. Because I think um, Gibson's do a lot of Gibson's a very big jigsaw manufacturer, mm. and they do. I think they do a lot of jigsaw. Publishing Europe as well as as well as yeah. Canada, in Europe, um, and there is a mailing list that you can sign up to. Oh, good! And um, I will give I will give, you, be the show I'll notes. give you the link. So that'll <laughs> so be, you put it in the, the show notes. Yeah, yeah we'll put the show notes so you can so, see that uh, yeah. down down below wherever you're listening to us. Yes, indeed, that's great. Right. Um, so you, so there'll be there'll be news of, of when the Kickstarter actually is, and there may even be little snippets of this is what the cards might look like, you know, that kind of thing. Very so, good. That should be that should be fun. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to that. Um, yep. So, and for you, and uh, right. surprise there, yes. uh, this is your time to uh, tell us about every one of your games, right. if you like, or indeed just what's coming next. Well, yes, what come, what's coming next primarily? Well, apart from the fact that I should point out again that we have just won this award, literally in the last few minutes, the Spiel <laughs> of Approval Award from Stephen Conway for Luxa Turner. Mm. Now, Luxa Turner is still for sale. We have copies for sale if you want to buy that. It's a solo game, so yeah. it's very... Person that fell in lockdown. You are you are a spaceship captain, and it's the old scenario. The systems are all broken down, and you're heading towards a black hole. You need to repair your ship. Happens all the time. And uh, uh, you've got a time limit of actually, you can you can set the time limit to like ten or fifteen minutes, Mm. and you're real time. Real time. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Real time. Trying to repair systems, and if they collapse, you suddenly find you've Okay, this is fabulous. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's a, by, Tony, by Tony Bordell, who designs Snowdonia and Gizmos and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really very good. Um, you can get that in America through Capstone, or you can get it uh, in the UK through mm-hmm. Surprise Tickets. Now, but well, our main focus for Surprise Day at the moment is on our pocket campaigns series mm-hmm. of games. These are all um, small box games, um, and they are kind of they're games with a 
war or conflict theme. They're often historical. Um, and we've got three at the moment. There's the Cousins War, which is coincidentally is a Wars of the Roses themed mm-hmm. game, designed by Dave Mortimer. Um, and we have the Ming Voyages, which is Dave Mortimer and myself designed, and that is about the the period that it's the period of Chinese history where the Ming have taken over, and uh, the great treasure fleets are exploring the rest of the world. Mm. Um, but they're also trying to fend off barbarians. So one player is the emperor, and the other player mm. is the barbarians. Um, but there is a solo version of that as well. And we also have that third one, which is the March of Progress, which I designed, which is a card game, two-player card game, on strategy. Mm. <laughs> the This game is basically showing, or I'm trying to show, some of the developed strategy between 17th century right up to mm-hmm. the 20th century. So there are scenarios for Napoleonic Wars, for World War One, for World You can do you can do Western Front World War One in half an hour. Perfect. Okay, so. I love I love a um, I love a pitch like that. I think um, uh, Blitzkrieg. Yes, um, mm. that's that, the pitch for that is World War Two in 15 minutes. Yes, that's right. Is, yes. <laughs> I mean, in fact, I was I was, I was um, Having done that game, which is World War One in half an hour, I thought, hmm, we can do better than that. So I've got a, I've got a one card World War One game, which isn't, oh, yeah, which isn't for sale, but no. it's, it's, you know, I happen to have it. I happen to have a copy here actually. Oh, very good. Maybe we'll have a game later. Yeah, we should do that. We should yeah. do that. <laughs> uh, so my wife said, well, why didn't you do a two card World War Two game? Oh. <laughs> yeah. So there could be a series of those. <laughs> So that's what we're doing, and we have another. We, so we, we just had the Ming Voyages and the Cousins War reprinted. So those are all three of those are available now for Spice Day Games, and we're doing another game, uh, The War of the Three Sanchos, which is a one, two, or three player game set in 11th century Spain, and we're doing that in conjunction with Frosted Games and Two Tomatoes Games, uh, Frosted Games in Germany, Two Tomatoes Games in Spain, um, and that I'm hoping to uh, crowdfund that later this year. So, and you'll have the opportunity to, to buy that, hopefully, and all the other games, if you go to the Lovely stuff. Well, um, thank you very much for your time today. It's and, been a uh, pleasure. And uh, we'll speak to you soon. Great. Thanks very much, Chris. <laughs>